Sometimes we have the mistaken notion that uh, God is interested in the big things in our world, but not the little things. This is especially true when it comes to our own personal lives. Um, People think, well, if I get cancer, then God will give time and attention to that. But that frustration I'm having at work or at school, well, he's just got too much on his mind to concern himself with those small matters in my life. Maybe that's one of the reasons people try to compartmentalize their lives. They, they kind of sort of uh, divide things in their lives between the sacred and the secular. Or put another way, there's the God stuff and there's the me stuff. And they think maybe along these lines, you know, the God stuff would include, of course, church and Sunday school and things that we do here. And, and then the big stuff that comes along that I can't handle, you know, things like uh, major crises and illnesses and the like. That, that, that's God stuff. But then there's me stuff, and that includes everything else. Um, how to handle the rest of this stuff on my own. The issues with my finances and the house repairs and the, the, the grades that I'm getting at school and the classes I'm struggling in and, and where should I go to college and, and who should I marry and those sorts of things. And, and we think, well, you know, there's the God stuff and there's the me stuff. Can I just tell you, if that's the way you're thinking, you are sadly mistaken. God doesn't just concern Himself with the big stuff as we like to call it in our life. He's concerned with all of our stuff. In fact, Jesus said that the very hairs on our head are numbered. The hair on our head. Jesus tells us that not even a bird falls from the sky without the Father knowing about it. God is concerned about you. God is concerned about everything going on in your life, in your family, in your finances, in your faith, in your house. At your job, everything. God is concerned about every detail of your life. And your Christianity, beloved, is not just for Sunday. It's for all seven days of the week. And you need to let your relationship with the Lord permeate every single area of your life. You see, if it's a care for you, it's a care for Him. In fact, the Bible tells us to cast all of our care upon the Lord for He cares for us. And some of you came in this service this morning, you came loaded down with a world of cares. And they're heavy upon you. And they're weighing you down. And they're burdening you. And you're bearing them today. And my prayer for you is before we're done in this service today, that you'll find relief from that burden as you give those concerns to the Lord. You know, we're studying right now the book of First Peter. And we find ourselves in the second chapter. You would find it if you haven't already. And it's interesting because it brings up an area where a lot of us really have a lot of concern and a lot of burden. And perhaps a lot of your care revolves around your work or your job. Sometimes the greatest difficulties we have in life revolve around our work and our jobs and our schedules and a lack of time and pressure and all that goes with it. Young people, your work right now, of course, is school. And maybe right now you just feel burdened down. You know, you're ending out one year, but you know next year's coming. And, 
and you're thinking about that. It's going to be harder next year and you're going to the next grade and the next phase of your journey. And so you're just burdened with all these cares and you want to do well and you want to succeed. And you want to make good grades and you want to make good decisions and you want to be promoted. And you just you're just burdened down with care. And we're living in a day where there's less people to do the work because companies don't want to pay as much. And so you have more work than ever. Does God care about your work? Can I just tell you, he does. And he talks to us about it here and talks about our work as Christians here in First Peter. And we'll begin there in the 18th verse of chapter 2. The Bible says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Now, can I just make a very blunt, obvious statement this morning? Work can be tough. Work can be tough. Has anybody else discovered that? Work can be tough. Now, I know you have those days where things move nicely and uh, things you just, just have a good day at work or a good day at school. And then there are those other days that you have and you're going through it and you're thinking in your mind, perhaps those people that believe in purgatory are right. Because I think I'm there right now. I think that's where I'm at. Work can be tough. I got to thinking about the different uh, jobs that I did uh, growing up and, and uh, working. And um, I thought about my first job in college. Uh, my, uh, I went to college the first year in Pennsylvania and my friends got me a job at Ponderosa Steakhouse. Anybody ever been to Ponderosa Steakhouse? Oh, we've got a couple of Ponderosa Steakhouse people. Well, my friends, the job they secured for me was in the dishroom. And I got to thinking about Saturday mornings in the dishroom. And, and usually they had two people in the dishroom. But on Saturday mornings, Ponderosa Steakhouse thought it would be a good idea to have a dish person and the maintenance person and have those two work together in the dishroom. The problem was the maintenance person was busy doing all the maintenance which left one dish person, and guess who that dish person was? It was me. Now, at Ponderosa Steakhouse, you could come in and order a steak or whatever you wanted to order, but everybody, in addition to your entree and your order, everybody got the hot bar. Everybody got the salad bar. Everybody got the dessert bar. You'd love it because you didn't have to wait until you steak. You could eat chicken wings and you could eat breadsticks with marinara sauce and soup and salad. But the problem was, all of that generates... Dishes. And a lot of dishes. So I've got dishes from the buffet. They're stuffing them stuff. Busloads of people coming on Saturday mornings. I got dishes from the kitchen. I got dishes from the entree. And it wasn't long before I was up to my eyeballs. Nothing but dishes. And servers would come back upset. Wanting uh, silverware. Clean silverware. They didn't care about me. They cared about silverware. Cared about their tip. Then the manager would come back looking for plates for the buffet. The angry people at the buffet, mind you. You don't have plates, you don't have chicken wings. And there I was, wet, covered in food scraps and not very happy. I was not singing doxology in the dishroom at Ponderosa Steakhouse. 
In fact, I sent, I would handle those, I would just, boom, just, I was mad at times. Here I'm all by myself. And then mercifully, eventually, when I'm up to my eyeballs, the maintenance person might come and help. And in really desperate situations, the manager might come back and help. Get me out of the weeds. My, you know, we think we're smart when we graduate high school and we're in college. But my, my wife clued me in. Eventually, she, she let me know why those friends of mine got me that job. It's because they wanted out of the dishroom. They worked in the dishroom. And they got out of the dishroom. Work can be tough. Work can be tiring. Work can be, and there's, there's different types of work. Now, some of us are wired where we like to do manual work, and we're wired to do manual labor, and others that do more mental work and, and thinking work. And a lot of times those who are wired one way don't understand those who are wired the other way. But no matter what the work is, work can be tough. You say, well, why is work so tough? Well, there's several reasons why work is tough. First of all, because we live in a fallen, sin-cursed world. Now, jot this reference down, Genesis 3. 17 through 19, you, you know the story if you grew up in church. Then, then to Adam he, that is God said, because you've heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the herb of the field. and the sweat of your face you'll, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken. For dust you are, to dust you shall return. And so one of the things that came as a result of sin was that we live in a fallen, sin-cursed world. And there's thorns and thistles. So you go out and you try maybe to plant something. You run into a big old tree root. Or if you work in more um, mental work, you go to print that report and the printer won't connect or you're out of ink or it's just problems upon problems. You go to start the tractor, it doesn't work. This thing breaks down. That thing's break down. There's delays and there's hindrances and there's hardships. Why? Because we live in a sin-cursed, fallen world. It wasn't like that in the beginning. Work is not the curse. God put them in the garden to work and keep it. But everything was perfect and pristine and wonderful. The curse came about because of sin. And work became harder. And so one of the reasons we struggle with our work is because we live in a fallen, sin-cursed world. Secondly, the reason we struggle is because we have to deal with ourselves. We have to deal with ourselves. I don't know about you, but I have more problem with me than anybody else. We have to deal with ourselves. There are times we don't want to work. There are times we want to be lazy or selfish. We battle temptation. We battle the flesh. We battle pride. And so there are times where we come about our work and we just have to deal with ourselves. And, and sad to say, for a lot here, Monday's coming, tomorrow's coming. You say, we already ruined it. It's still Sunday. But we have to deal with ourselves. And then to make it even harder, we have to deal with other people. Deal with other people. Might be co-workers, it might be customers, might be classmates, whoever it may be. But have you noticed whenever you get people together, you have problems? You have problems. 
You know, even in churches, you get people together, you can have disagreements and problems because we can even be saved and, and, and growing in the Lord, but we're not perfect here yet. Somebody said years ago, ministry would be wonderful if it wasn't for people. But with no people, there's no ministry. And so you have other people, all kinds of different personalities and backgrounds and opinions of how things should be done. Well, I think it ought to be done this way. Well, I think it ought to be done that way. And so we struggle with our work because we have all these different things going on. And then, so it's already, we live in a sin-cursed, fallen world. We have to deal with ourselves, other people. And then to make matters even more complicated, we have to deal with our boss. Now listen real carefully. If your boss is here today, keep your head real still right now. Keep your eyes glued on me. Don't make any facial expressions other than just, just a pleasant experience on your face there. But listen, there's someone in charge. And we have to deal with them. And that's what Peter talks about here in this passage. He says basically there are good bosses and there are not so good bosses. For you uh, students, there are teachers that you really like and they're pleasant and you enjoy being And there's those that you, you just want to get out of their class. Uh, some are good, it talks about here. Some are gentle. And then some are harsh and mean. I mean that's what the passage says there. We just read now, we're blessed because the people that he's writing to here, we're blessed greater than they are because they were slaves. We have a lot more freedom. We get in a bad situation of a bad boss, well, we can just quit and try to find another job. But I just let you in a little secret. No matter where you go, somebody else is going to be there waiting on you. Somebody else in charge. If I work for myself, yeah, but you work with other people. You work for other people. But let's suppose you cannot leave or you choose not to leave or maybe you're in a difficult situation, a difficult position and you believe that God puts you there, God wants you there and so you decide to stay. And by the way, can I just say to our graduates and our students and our young people, the right question in life is this one, what does God want me to do? That's the right question to ask in life. What does God want me to do? God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. I look back at the steps to get me here. I didn't know this place existed. Never heard of this place. And I could take you on the journey of how I got here. And I married a Yankee on the way. <laughs> but the right question is, what does God want me to do? And so you're thinking about your life. For some of you, it's starting out in life. You're maybe you're getting done with high school or you're in the upper grades, you're in college and what you're going to do. For others, it might be you're nearing the end of your career and you're saying, well, is it time to retire, time to change or, or time to go back or whatever? The right question is, what does God want me to do? Because God has a plan for your life. God is interested in every detail of your life. He has a plan for your life. The Bible says the steps of a good man imply that the steps of a good woman are ordered by the Lord. And God has a plan for you. And what the Bible says here, we just read those verses, that if you're in a position and you suffer wrongfully, but you take it patiently, that is, you take it as a Christian, you don't lash out, you don't attack, you just humbly give it to the Lord, it says that God is pleased when we do those things. Now, now that sounds strange. We, we don't like that. But I want to show you something else we learned in this passage. We have an example to follow in these matters. 
Because we need the Lord's help in doing this. We're not left on our own. There's a purpose in our pain. You're still there in 1 Peter 2? Look at verse 21. For to this you are called. Now, the choir just sang about Jesus. Isn't He beautiful? Isn't He wonderful? I want you to see just how beautiful and wonderful He is. 1 Peter 2.21 For to this you are called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in His mouth, who when He was reviled, did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten, but committed Himself to Him who judges righteously, who Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree, that we, being uh, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you are like sheep going astray, and have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We have an example to follow, and it's the greatest example. It's the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I find it interesting in a section where he's talking about our work and our job, the Lord brings the cross in. Would to God more Christians would bring their cross to their job, bring Christ to their job. But he brings up the Lord Jesus. And he talks about the Lord Jesus. He suffered unjustly. And he suffered greatly. And they reviled him, but he didn't revile back. Now here's the thing. You and I sometimes are helpless. There's not much we can do, but he's the Lord of glory. He's the creator of the universe. He could have spoke the word and destroyed everybody and everything in the world, but because he loved you and he loved me, he laid down his life. He let them, voluntarily let them, drive those nails in his hands and his feet, lift him up between heaven and earth, and crucify the Lord of glory. And he's our example. Do you know Him today? That's what He did for you. He loves you. Give your life to Christ. Give your all to Christ. Give your future to Christ. Give it all! He's our example when it comes to unjust suffering. You know, the Bible teaches, beloved, that God is working to make us like Jesus. And in many regards, we're okay with that. We say, well, I want to be like Jesus. But to be like Jesus requires that we endure suffering. We don't like that part. But there are some lessons that are only learned through suffering. There are some things we can learn no other way than through suffering. And God uses many different means to mature us and one of those could be those difficulties that we face on the job or at school or that unreasonable boss or that really mean teacher. And God allows us to be there and we suffer, but there's a purpose in our pain. He's working to make us like Jesus. And it's difficult to submit to someone like that. To someone who's unjust. No, not, not, not physically beating you. That's what's going on here with these slaves. Not physically beating you, but maybe they're berating you. 
Maybe you're, they skip over you for the promotion. Maybe they give you the most tedious, difficult, dirtiest jobs every time. That they may even lord it over you, let you know I am in charge of you and I will exercise that authority over you. But as believers, as children of God, we have to learn to entrust ourselves to the Lord's care and submit ourselves to His care, knowing that He is sovereign, knowing that, that, that God is at work in our lives, and knowing the Bible says that God takes all things and works them together for good to those who love Him and those that are called according to His purpose. We have to rest in that. It's important to know, he said in that last verse we read, that He is the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And if we remember, beloved, that He's our shepherd, that means He's guiding us, He's protecting us, He's feeding us, He's leading us. It's a lot easier to suffer under that hardship knowing that we have a shepherd that's watching over us the whole time. If we remember, He's the overseer of our souls. Nothing escapes His gaze. Nothing goes on in your life He does not see. No one does anything to you that He does not know about. And He's carefully, as the overseer of our soul, working to make you like Jesus. If you remember that, it's easier to endure the hardship. If we'll remember what Jesus did for us and the suffering He endured, it'll be easier to endure that hardship. We remember that God can use even our unjust suffering and our pain to bring maybe a hardened boss or a hardened teacher. To saving faith in Jesus Christ because we respond as Christ would respond. And we live as a believer and we're genuine. It'll be easier to endure that hardship. We remember that God is pleased when we patiently endure. It'll be easier to endure that hardship. Listen, here's the truth of the matter today. Yes, our jobs may be hard. But our God is good. I finally made it out of the dishroom at Ponderosa Steakhouse. That job did not go on forever. I don't even know if that restaurant's still there. But that job ended. Didn't go on forever. And in reality, no job goes on forever. These are momentary light afflictions. Even these precious people here who found themselves in slavery, there came a day where they were no longer slaves. It may have been death, but they were no longer slaves. And there's coming a day when our jobs are going to end here. You say, I know, retirement. No, 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 no. It's even better. Because in retirement, there are still hardships and there's still problems and there's still issues. And you just do other work. You may not get paid for it. You just do other work and you, you deal with that grief. But I'm talking about heaven. You see, there's coming a day for the believer when all's going to be perfect. And all's going to be whole. There's not going to be problems and pain and any of that. And the work that we do, by the way, don't ever get in your mind you're going to sit on a cloud and strum a harp. That's not what heaven is. That'd be hell for most of us, wouldn't it? Sit in the clouds from our heart. We have meaningful work to do in the service of the King. But in our work for the Lord, even in glory in heaven, the work's going to be perfect. Not going to be sweat, not going to be issues, not going to be problems. But until then, here we are. 
living in a sin-cursed fallen world, struggling with ourselves, struggling with other people, maybe struggling with a difficult boss or a difficult teacher. So what do we do? Well, I tell you what we don't do. We don't labor in our own strength and our own wisdom and our own provision. We rest in God. We submit ourselves to God. Our jobs may be hard, but our God is good. And we go to Him as our shepherd. As a little lamb might would come to the shepherd, a little sheep that's there. And the shepherd tends to that sheep. The overseer of our souls who knows everything about you, everything that's said to you, everything that's done to you, and who loves you more than you can ever imagine. And we rest in Him. What about you, friend? Do you need to do that today? Rest in our good and gracious God. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Nobody's stirring around. Everybody real still for a moment. Do you know Him as Lord and Savior today? Jesus loved you so much He died in your place. He shed His precious blood. And friend, if you'll just turn from your sin, repent of your sin, and trust Jesus Christ alone, He will save you. You can do it right where you are. Just lift your heart in prayer and let Him know. You know you're a sinner. You know you've done wrong. But you believe Jesus, who is God, died for you, took your sin upon Himself, was buried and rose again. And you don't want your sin anymore. You want Jesus. And friend, if you mean business with God, He'll do business with you. And right now, He'll take your sin and He'll make you pure and clean, make you a child of God, give you a home in heaven and a purpose and a joy you've never known. I want to encourage you, if you've never done that right now, just cry out to Him right where you are. And ask Him to save you. Let me talk to my brothers and sisters in Christ a moment. I guess it was this past week I had to have a care casting time in my own life. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, the Bible says, cast all of your care upon Him for He cares for you. There came a day, I think it was just this past week, or it's been within the last couple of weeks, where I had to do that. I just had to go through and just tell the Lord every care upon my heart and say, Lord, I, I can't deal with that one. I give that one to you. I give that one to you. And I give that one to you. And I think there's some folks here today you need to do that in your own life. It may be in your job. It may be at home. It may be in your marriage, your finances. It might be in your Christian walk. It might be issues you're having with your kids might be some hurt. Somebody hurt you 20 years ago and you're still nursing it. You, you need to give that to the Lord. You need to cast that care upon Him and give it to Him. Now, here's what happens, though. We're, we're, we're kind of foolish because we give it to Him and take it right back. But you need to give it to Him today. So I don't know what it is. Why don't you just take a moment and just give Him those cares? 
He loves you with an everlasting, unending love. You say, well, preacher, I've messed up. He knows that. He still loves you. His arms are open to you. He'll receive you back to his fellowship. Talk to him. He's here. He's listening. He loves you. Father, I thank You that You care about every detail of our life. And there's nothing in our life that You fail to notice. And You have a purpose and a plan for our life. And Father, I pray that if anybody here is still resisting your working, that you'd bring them to saving faith right now. And then Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Maybe some are still praying and still casting those cares upon you. That you'll bless them. That you'll guide them and direct them. Protect them. Shepherd them, O oh God. You're their overseer. Thank You, Lord. You didn't leave us in our own wisdom and our own devices. Thank You, Lord, that You're in charge of our life. We ask that You bless this invitation song and this time of invitation. May You get glory to Yourself in this place. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, maybe today you want to come and you want to pray some more. We would invite you to do that. Maybe you need to know more about being saved. Say, I just still don't understand it. We'd love to share it with you. And when we're singing, I'll be down at the front. We welcome you. We're not here to embarrass you, point you out, put you up on the stage, anything like that. Just want to help you. So you come if you want to be praying today. If you want someone to pray with you, let us know that. If you want to be saved today, let us know that. But don't leave with those burdens, okay? Give them to the Lord. 461 is our closing hymn. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of His love and covers me there with His hand. You see His care for you? He's covering you today. Let Him do that in your life. 461, let's stand and sing.